What's up, guys, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by my friends Gigi, Pablo, and Andre to discuss the recent goings-on in Nostr, the emerging Bitcoin circular economy in Madeira, where they're all now living, and the Bitcoin Atlantis conference happening there in March of 2024. Thanks to CoinKite for supporting this show. If you're looking for security solutions for your Bitcoin, CoinKite has you covered. They make the best-in-class cold card hardware wallet for taking self-custody of your Bitcoin and a ton of other things for storing, spending, and even gifting Bitcoin, as well as a bunch of fun paraphernalia for Bitcoin enthusiasts. To check it all out, visit CoinKite.com and use the promo code VALIS, V-A-L-L-I-S, for 5% off. Thanks also to Fountain, a podcast app that is pioneering new ways of enabling a more direct relationship between podcasters and their listeners. For example, you can stream one sap per minute to whatever podcast you're listening to, or even send a set amount with a custom message as a way of showing appreciation to your favorite creators. With Fountain, you can even get paid to listen. Yes, you heard that right. You can earn sats just by listening to certain content on the platform. To start playing with this new and improved podcasting experience, just download the app at fountain.fm today. Finally, if after listening to this conversation, you decide you'd like to join us in Madeira for Bitcoin Atlantis, you can get 10% off your tickets with the promo code VALIS again at bitcoinatlantis.com. Gentlemen, how are you? It's good to see you all again, or see Gigi's meme and the two of you. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So um, it's been a while since we all spoke, minus uh, Gigi, and I had a brief chat yesterday. We hadn't spoken in a while, but uh, Andre and I were messaging lately, and uh, we thought it would be, one, just fun to hang out and chat and catch up, and two, uh, talk a little bit about Madeira, Bitcoin Atlantis, what Pablo and Gigi are up to. So I don't know where you want to start, maybe for for people that aren't familiar with one or any of you, why don't you just do a little brief intro? Andre, why don't you start? Uh, yes, I'm Andre. I'm the founder of the Free Madeira Project, a nonprofit based in Madeira Island. Uh, lots of projects within Free Madeira, but uh, the major one, of course, is Bitcoin Atlantis, the conference we're doing here in March next year. And yeah, that's it, basically. I'm Pablo. I'm a developer for many, many years. I've been working on Nostr for the most part in the past year. Um, and as of two weeks, I'm based in Madeira. And yeah, tons of projects. Uh, if you've been around open source, you you might see some of my stuff. Yeah, single-handedly building out like half the Nostr ecosystem or something like that, right? Octo Pablo, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gigi? Yeah, I'm Gigi. I used to be on Twitter a lot. Now I'm on Nostra a lot. Um, <laughs> I've been around Bitcoin for a while. And um, yeah, I don't know. We spoke a bunch before. So everyone who doesn't know me, go back <laughs> on John's podcast and listen to yeah, some of the conversations. Five or six episodes. Um, well, before we dive into, you know, Madeira and Bitcoin Atlantis and stuff, um, you know, what's what's... I'm I'm pretty unplugged from things these days, you know, not doing too many podcasts and really not following what's going on. You know, what's the what's the vibe like for everybody? You know, I know there's a lot of building happening. I'm sure Andre, you're super busy with getting things ready for the uh for the conference. And Pablo, as as we just said, you're doing a lot of Nostra stuff and Gigi, you're super busy with open sats, but you know, just vibe check basically. How's everyone feeling about things these days? 
All right, so I'll start because um, uh, I think the vibes are really high in Madeira. So, you know, people are coming in. Andre is doing fantastic work on building out uh, what he's doing with Free Madeira. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about these things before, John, that there are these little islands appearing, islands in the sense of, you know, there's motivated and sane people and you can buy your coffee and some other things with Bitcoin that there's people that are actually using and building out this stuff in one geographical location and uh, you know like in Bitcoin jungle and of course El Salvador and other places and yeah I think the the goal of the the whole thing is to transform Madeira into one of these places as well and this is happening as we speak and so yeah, in terms of a vibe check, vibes are really high. I'm I'm super happy that all of this is happening and I can be a small part of it and, you know, watch this unfold at the forefront. Have like a, a pole position seat. <laughs> and now with uh, Pablo here as well and uh, some of the things um, uh, going on and coming to fruition that Andre already mentioned, of course, the conference in March and also um, the sovereign engineering project that uh, we are um, trying to do, I would say, <laughs> I'm I'm very excited about it all. So I think um, there's a lot of good things cooking. Nice. Yeah, yeah I echo that sentiment. I, I think there is um, there is something special about about islands uh, with regards to to freedom. I, I I have a few theories on 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 why that might be, but definitely uh, definitely Madeira checks out that that feeling of um, sovereignty and sovereignty. And 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 the choice of 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 owning your own stuff, um, I think there is a very interesting current of uh, interesting movement here. Um, and yeah, what what Gigi was uh, talking about with regards to sovereign engineering to to give a, a brief background because uh, there are still a lot of people that have no idea what what that is. Uh, it, it's basically a, a two month program where we're inviting. Uh, people to 21 people to to come and work on whatever they want with within the the framework of of freedom tech leveraging bitcoin uh Nostr, the lightning network building the stuff that could not be built before uh so it's it's the first time we we do this it's extremely experimental uh but yeah it's starting in in a little bit over a month um and yeah it's it's super exciting i i can't wait to see what we all build together it's going to be it's going to be pretty dope and it's it's filled up right so the the cohort is already determined everyone's flying in and the idea is just you know you're going to put a bunch of uh heads together and try to build like how's it going to work you know are you going to is everyone going to put ideas on the table and then you select a few or are you going to split into teams and try to build like what, what what's the structure going to be like it's gonna be extremely organic. Everybody can do whatever whatever they want uh, in by themselves or working in teams. The idea is to to leverage the the synergies of the energy of everybody around and the ideas of everybody around. And you can choose and take whatever whatever resonates with you. Uh, so so the idea is that at first we'll do um, we'll we'll maybe have a few talks and just get to know everybody. Uh, sort of like you can imagine like, like an unconference style or mm. we're chatting and seeing what comes up and then just allowing things to to flow naturally you know no structure with regards to 
everybody has to work on this one idea or these four teams, like completely, completely uh, free or chaos or <laughs> right. order. And yeah, is there Sorry, yeah. John. Uh, I, th I think, like you said, you know, the, the the idea is to get the right people together, get um, motivated and knowledgeable people together and kind of see what comes out of it. And I think, you know, a lot of people are um, working in isolation a little bit or come from their own little bubbles. And I think it, it will be very worthwhile to bring a lot of them together and just um, do a lot of exploration and ideation. And like Pablo said, there is a lot of things that where it was just not possible to build certain stuff before <laughs> like um you know on on the bitcoin side for example you know we we never had the concept of of a trustless time lock time locks for example we never had the concept of collaborative custody those kind of things and there's similar things in the nostal world and uh in the lightning world where you know the the fact that we have instant cash settlement instant finality worldwide um, without the need for any credit counterparty without the need to use credit payment rails all those kind of things like this opens up a whole new world of stuff that you can do and i mean we see the first inklings of this already and i i talked about this a lot in the past with you know streaming payments and podcasting 2.0 and so on that's the first exploration of what you can do now and i hope that we will you know just get the the right people together and um, open up some minds and just really explore what can be done and also discuss kind of what should be done you know like what <laughs> how do you build things in a in in a way that um from a bitcoiner's perspective makes sense and we all want to see because you can also you know as we've seen historically you can take something like bitcoin and just wrap it in a nice shitcoin package and build a casino out of it. And, uh, you know, you can definitely build that and get really, really successful, quote unquote, in terms of really fiat rich. But should you actually build something like a Coinbase or an FTX and so on, on Bitcoin? And I think we have to ask ourselves and, and try to provide answers to similar questions in the general like in, in the general space that this freedom tech opens up because you can make the same argument on Oster. You can, you know, build certain things um, and potentially become successful. But again, it's, it's, uh, we, I think we should, we should learn from the mistakes that were made in the past, not only in the Bitcoin world, but also in the general world of the internet <laughs> you know some things <laughs> it's like you know, uh, what i mean is for example the the go-to silicon valley model of just growing at all costs and then exiting and like not caring about what you built not caring about your users and just you know fuck them all you made like a hundred million exit and who cares you know <laughs> and i i think the the goal of freedom tech and and self-sovereign technology is like that the only person that can rug pull you is yourself in some sense. And even for that, you can build in protections. Like that's not always a good thing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, you, like what I want to explore in, in particular and have this, these kind of conversations, because I, I think, you know, every, everyone thinks about these things a little bit differently is um, how can we build it now? How can we build it right? And kind of what should be built and what is like maybe 
what would have been relevant in the old model, what would have been really appealing for like a growth at all costs, capturing all the users kind of business model and then making a big, big exit and, uh, you know, moving on to the next thing. And how can we do things differently now and build something maybe that's a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more reasonable, a little bit more, um, you know, also fair towards users and fair towards the people that built the stuff and so on. Yeah, yeah, I have to, to add to that. Um, I, I think the old model, like the the VC model, the I'm gonna get hundreds of millions of users and like actually <laughs> put it, fuck them all. <laughs> uh, I I think that model is 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 going to die. Um, I think that model for for a couple of reasons. One one of them is that that model works really well within a with a fiat and very easy money um, um, era. Uh, that moment might not be coming back. Uh, and this burning, having huge burn rates and companies don't care because they can always raise some more money. Um, that's not the case anymore. We're seeing uh, these type of companies hurting a little bit because of this. But even more important, um, I think the, the fact that we now have these um, compounding network effects where you can, any developer can go in and they can build anything with with a with a social aspect to it which is pretty much anything that is on the internet has a social component because it improves when someone else uh interacts with data or with people or whatever um we didn't have that that construct before and because we have now have that construct even though it's very 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 small we have very few users uh, relatively speaking uh that that means that any person, any developer can come in and they can actually compete with Reddit. They can actually compete with Twitter. They can compete. Like there, there are individual developers building stuff on Nostr that is competing with, with Twitter. We're very early days and they have a huge head start with regards to network effects, momentum, capital. Uh, but it's trending in that direction. There will be a point when the compound of the network effects of individual developers working by themselves, improving the network, uh, might flip them <laughs> to, to, to put it in a, in a gross way. Um, if, if that happens, that invalidates the, the VC model of let's just pour millions and millions and let's just exit. It invalidates that model. So even the people that do not want to participate on, 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 on this model and they just want to continue building in the old way of raising, uh, uh, doing one raise, and then just leveraging, leveraging, leveraging. That model will go away as well for that. Yeah, I got two follow-ups from that. But first, Andre, you seem to be, are you, is your mic, just tap your mic. I want to see if that's actually working. Uh, it's not, uh, this is not working correctly. I, I, did I, don't, I don't think so. So e either you can go to the bottom left of the Zoom screen where the little mic is and you can choose the input. But if that doesn't work, you can just move them out of the way and we can rock with yeah. your MacBook or whatever. It's better because uh, I did something wrong with the connection to the MacBook, I think. Oh. Okay. How's um, the sound? I'm so bad that he's- No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so what I was gonna ask is, so you have this old model, as both of you just said, where you get as many users as you can and you throw a fence around them and it's this like digital neo-feudalism sort of setup. And that, you know, that means two things. One is that you basically milk your users for all you can and whether you're selling their, their data or whether you're just keeping them within, within that ecosystem and they can't leave. But also the, you know, 
sometimes an unintended consequence of that, and oftentimes an intended consequence of that, is you can control them. And that's where the censorship creeps in, whether it's from the actual platform or from, you know, government agency or whomever outside the platform. And so the the cent the incentives upon which that model is predicated is rife with these problems, right? For freedom and sovereignty, and then ultimately for the user experience, right? Because if the user can't easily leave an ecosystem, then the competition between ecosystems is is much less than it otherwise would be when people can switch between them at will, just following the best experience. So my question for you guys is, how do you think, you know, this new incentive structure that's being built, Bitcoin and and on, you know, the confluence of Bitcoin and Noster, um, is going to change those competition dynamics, but also is going to change those monetization models. Because as as you keep saying, like, sure, you build a you build a, a client, let's say, and everyone loves it, but then someone else builds a better one and they just pop over to that one and stop using the old one. And so one, it seems like you have to retain users by just providing the best experience. But what are some of the monetization models that are emerging in terms of incentivizing developers to actually build these clients and solutions for people, whereas they they couldn't, they 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 can't and don't want to in many cases monetize in the same way that people have been in the past. I think it's I think it's quite simple, really. Um, I mean, the the one thing that you mentioned that really stuck with me right now, which is a lot of um, a lot a lot of people don't think about it in this way, but I think it's the right way to think about it is to really think about exit cost. Like how costly is it to leave an ecosystem? How costly is it to switch to a different thing? And in the real world, like, you know, going to a different restaurant, like, uh, you know, if if uh, <laughs> if they <laughs> if your favorite restaurant uh, gets a different cook and the food, the food suddenly sucks, it's very easy to go to another restaurant. And so the exit cost for, for restaurants and just general general stores like this, it's really, really low. If you're in an environment where you where you are forced to, you know, eat your lunch there, then uh, uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, like the, the quality suffers usually, like if you're in, <laughs> let's say a prison, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's like, you don't have any other choice to eat somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, slop, it doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, or like you're the, the school uh, canteen or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> like it's, you, you have no other options, so you have to eat whatever you can. And so, so, so your exit cost of actually going somewhere uh, else is uh, sometimes infinitely high and sometimes just really, really high. And so we see, we, we saw this emerging in in the web where the only way to monetize is by capturing users. And the best way to capture users is to build a really, really nice, very beautiful golden cage, but a really nice walled garden, as, as they are called. And they're called like this for a reason. So you make it really enticing to come in and you everything is for free everything is great like you know don't be evil and and all the rest of it and monetization is an afterthought it's like you know one day we'll we'll lock the doors to the garden and then we're going to squeeze the ones that are not able to run away and that's the monetization model uh, historically online and it really works like it really works but of course you know um the users suffer the quality suffers and so on and you don't have real competition if this is the the ecosystem that is the default and that you well that that flourishes under these conditions and i think i think the reason why it had to be this way is actually very simple because there was no way to monetize outright the the only like 
it's it's really I I I really do believe that not the internet not having a native currency and the fact that the only thing you were able to use for payments is credit rails destroyed any other possibility of another business model because for credit rails inherently you need to use KYC you need to know your customer for credit because credit has counterparty risk credit has default risk and so on it's like you need to know who you're dealing with if you're dealing with credit rails so so you cannot you cannot even build something like you know something stupid like a vending machine where you put a coin in and a coke bottle pops out it's impossible to do on the internet you have to identify your customers and so on because the only payment mechanism that was possible before bitcoin specifically before lightning was that you identify the customer because cre the credit rails require KYC. The next thing is micropayments on credit rails are completely impossible. They're completely impossible. You, you, need to, you need to find a business model where you can batch payments, where you can capture users again and, and batch the payments so that they pay at least like five bucks or so outright. And that's why you land on the subscription model and so on and so forth, because otherwise it's completely uneconomical. You cannot charge someone 20 cents with a credit card. It doesn't work. The, whole, the overhead is way too big. It, it just doesn't work. You have to identify them. You have to go through all these processes to charge someone like 20 cents or 5 cents or whatever. And it's uneconomical. It doesn't work. And so, so my thesis is basically now that we have money proper, now that we have non-credit rails, we have actually proper payment rails, thanks to Lightning, thanks to Bitcoin, you can actually build something like a vending machine. And that's also, you know, why, why Pablo uh, started working on the data vending machines on Nostra and so on. That's, that's the idea. Like you, you have a vending machine is nothing like, you know, a million very small transactions. Like you, 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 you put in 50 cents or whatever and you get out a Coke bottle. And, and you don't need to know anything about the customer. You don't need to know anything about this interaction except for the coin landed and I can dispense the Coke bottle. And in the in the digital realm, online, of course, we don't have Coke bottles and so on, but we have real resources. We have real resource restrictions and people will have to pay for those kind of things. Like you, you will have to pay for the Coke bottle. There is no such thing as a free lunch, you know? Like if someone gives you a Coke bottle for free, then uh, you know it's probably up to something. You're paying one way or the other, and so I, I think we see this emerging already, even outside of um, uh, you know outside of the the Bitcoin space. With, uh, for example, stuff like Proto Mail and just uh, privacy aware email providers. It's like okay, if your email provider gives you the service for free, you're paying in some other way. Like if you're using Gmail, you're paying with your privacy. You're paying with all kinds of things, and so people are willing to just straight up pay for a good service, for a good product, and so on. And I think what, what uh, Lightning in particular enables is to broaden the spectrum of services that, um, that can use this just straight up very honest business model of, you know, it's a great service, it's the best service, and you know it's not... Uh, you know, it's <laughs> you just outright pay for it, and you like to pay for it because you don't want your data to be harvested or uh, you know whatever shady practice is used to actually pay for the thing. And so, yeah, again, I think it's really, really simple in the end. And again, back to the example from the beginning, you know, like if if <laughs> the, the the way to provide the best product and the best service to the customer is to have competition, allow for competition, allow the customer to exit as well. And if you have, you know, like uh, 
a city with a lot of restaurants and the customers are free to go wherever they choose um you know the, usually <laughs> usually the, the there will be good and proper restaurants and with good and proper food and you will also have to pay for it and i see the same thing happening online with good and proper services whatever they may be do you think the incentive so i you know i i get and agree with all of that um and it's very exciting and i think that degree of competition is just going to mean that the solutions amazing solutions emerge like very rapidly and continue to, to to do so and iterate and improve on themselves which is awesome do you think the incentive to come into this nostro world from the legacy world will initially be subdued because there's still this you know the 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 big incentive of oh i start you know get a startup get 10 million or 100 million customers wrap them all up sell them to a vc exit you know where and i make 100 million dollars where in nostr every sat you make is because people are you know choosing to send you that sat for the service that you're providing do you think the incentive will be less initially or you know what do you think of that no, dynamic I I, th I think the change won't happen overnight, but the, the, just the fact that it's possible, and um, uh, it like the old world and the old models and so on, I think they will they will still exist uh, for a long while. I I also agree with Pablo that you know like the the happy days are probably coming to an end, like the happy days of easy money and the happy days of the traditional Silicon Valley business model and exit strategy and so on. But um, I I actually don't care too much about the old world, so to speak. I really want to explore what the new world enables. And I think you can, you can as a, you know, even as a solo developer, you can create three, four or five different useful services. And even if you only have like a thousand or 10,000 users, but these users pay you in aggregate, like, a dollar a month like that's 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 fine it's like having a, a corner shop at the street somewhere and mm -hmm. you know let, let let a million flowers bloom it's like you i don't think we i think we have to 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 move away from uh you know capture the whole market at all costs kind of right. mentality like people are different people like different things people like it. we see this very clearly on, on the nasa side with you know different clients and uh, and so and so on and so forth and just um you know provide a useful service um, I mean, in the open source world, the, the the scratch your own itch mantra exists for a reason. You know, it's like you you build it mostly for yourself, but the world is a big place. The internet is a big place. You'll find a, another hundred people at least <laughs> that absolutely love what you build and had exactly the same need. And I think with um, with Lightning and Nostr, we now have ways to find all kinds of ways to monetize this because just the money flows very freely. And it's not credit points, you know, that's what people really don't get. It's not Chuck E. Cheese tokens. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, PayPal credits or whatever. It all kind of feels the same, but Lightning and Sats truly are very, very different. Like once you, uh, again, like it, it completely removes the requirement for for settlement. It com com Like you have instant cash payments. It completely removes the, the requirement for KYC and so on. And that's just very, very different because you can provide a service and we see this already happening. Like um, uh, VPNs are a great example. Movad is a great example. Like they don't need to know anything about you. They don't want to know anything about you. And I think that's also something that's that's currently changing. Holding user data, just like in the Bitcoin world, and Lynn Alden said this beautifully, like uh, if you're a proper Bitcoin company, you actually don't want to hold user funds. 
So holding user funds is a liability. And I think holding user data or knowing anything about the users is also a liability and will increasingly become a liability because you know more powerful people than you will come knocking and want to have the user data and so on and so forth. So if you can build something like, again, coming back to the simple example of a vending machine, like it just sits there, people can come by and use it, drop a coin in, get a Coke. That's it. That's the business model. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great business model. Provide a useful service, have people pay for it, and you don't need to know anything about them. Just like you, know, you go to the corner store to buy an apple. You don't need to identify yourself. The owner doesn't need to know anything about you. And you just get the apple, you hand over the coin, and that's it. Yeah. yeah one, of, one of the interesting things that, that that type of business unlocks is that you can explore the, the long tail beautifully. Like you can create something in your spare time that takes you two hours to create and provide as a service, even if it gets 10 users per year. Uh, it, it's something that was not possible before. It, it's something before you needed to, like the, all companies are trying to, to go for the pocketstick growth, right? Uh, and they must go for, for that type of growth. Right. They cannot go after something that has a total addressable market of a thousand people in the world. It's just, it's impossible. And, and that's why we see these conversions of everything on the internet looks kind of the same because they cannot go for a thousand users. They must attempt to bat for millions and millions and billions of users they they have to they have to the only way to survive is to go for that total of addressable market um so that to me that's one of the things that absolutely excites me the idea yeah. that you could create something and your target is just a few people and it makes economical sense to me that is absolutely beautiful it sounds like the dynamics of like economies of scale have dramatically changed right because as you're saying like economies of it could be one right you, you you make something like the vending machine right someone pays you you give them something you don't you're not pushed out into this weird domain that you were just describing of you have to get 10 million users for this to actually work or make sense it can make sense with one user and it seems like it's because it's that direct relationship of one user one payment that's now enabled that way which is you know Super interesting, but uh, you know, one of the things that seems like a contradiction that I think will become more and more obvious, and and Gigi mentioned it, like something like Proton Mail, right? Encrypted email, private, all this stuff. But most people pay with their credit card to get it, right? So how private is it really? Push comes to shove. Like let's say legislation changes in Switzerland, you know, or wherever they have servers and stuff. Well, then you're back to square one. And I think as these solutions emerge, it's going to become pretty obvious that. There's a, a glaring hole in all of these, you know, so-called privacy services that have emerged in the old model, because you're attached to it in some way. They're just basically saying, you know, trust us, bro. We won't share that information. Um, but it, of course, it raises the question. You know, in Bitcoin, we have this saying, right? Like first, or it's not from Bitcoin, but it's applied to Bitcoin. First, they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Something like that. I mean, the whole premise of Noster is basically freedom on the internet, let's say, and freedom either scares or is opposed to the, you know, the the control mechanisms that have been put in place by whomever, corporations, governments, all that kind of stuff. And so at a certain point, you would think that people would, you know, the, the powers that be, the they out there, whoever they are, would say, hey, there's a bunch of these people on the internet, like completely circumventing our mechanisms. They're transacting, you know, peer-to-peer, -peer. they're operating social networks, they're building pretty much 
a new internet that we can't control and that's really not good for us or we're, we're opposed to that. Um, and a, I'll tack on to this question and it's the, the technicalities are beyond me. So you guys can address it better, but I, I think it was, you know, Peter Todd recently, you know, yesterday or, and perhaps before, but I only saw it in kind of preparation for this, um, was basically, uh, questioning or, or, or saying that, you know, Nostra is not truly decentralized. So, you know, you can address that, but my point is just being like at a, at a point when this becomes lands on the radar of the, the, the powers that be what do you think will be the outcome then? Is it stoppable? Is it, you know, can can they do anything about this? Or is this like a Cambrian explosion of freedom solutions, you know, emerging in the world that that, that can't be stopped effectively? Uh, I'll, I'll take go first. first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention the, the Peter Todd thing. Uh, yeah, P Peter Peter has uh, very different ideas. He wants to put uh, Nostra on the blockchain, basically. I mean, he, he literally said that, uh, which... It's very confusing because it makes uh, very little sense. Um, so yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I heavily this uh, yeah I, I I disagree with with that a lot. Yeah, the the, the I mean the censorship resistant properties of, of Nostra have, have not been tested, right? Uh, this is like Bitcoin way 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 before the uh, the block test wars were theoretically miners could not collude and change Bitcoin. Hopefully not. And then we went through the war and we noticed that they had absolute no power uh, over changing the rules. Um, Nostra is in a, in a similar state where it has not been tested. Uh, there is a, still a lot of work that, work that needs to be done in order to, to hide uh, the, the Nostra traffic uh, in, a, in a more uh, opaque way. Uh, but, but the beauty of Nostra uh, or with regards to the censorship resistance part of, of, of Nostar is, is the fact that you can so easily move uh, from place A to place B uh, pretty much without even noticing that, that you're moving. Uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, NVK famously used to run the Bitcoin hackers Mastodon server. Uh, and he also ran the BRV uh, Nostar relay. Both of them shut down uh, and the uh, result was extremely different. The Bitcoin hackers instance, the Mastodon instance, people were complaining on Twitter, how can you do this to us? And you're censoring us and you took our data and blah, blah. And in Northern, most people didn't even realize that something had happened. One of the most popular relays went down uh, and no one know, no, no one noticed. Only developers that are looking at the logs are, are noticing these things. Um, so th that property of being so resilient that like the Bitcoin network, when China uh, banned mining and the Bitcoin network slowed down a little bit, nothing happened really. Uh, and it was the biggest state attacking the biggest concentration of hash power and nothing happened. Uh, the, I, I think Noster has similar properties. We, we still need to see how resilient it is to to um, to an upfront attack, but I think we have really good building blocks. Yeah, I would I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I think it is about the building blocks and basically the very simple principle that Nostra is built on and Bitcoin too as well. So um, Nostra makes use of the nature of information and information is very easy to spread and hard to stifle and neither Nostr nor bitcoin 
are perfect. So I think we all know the limitations of Bitcoin. I think um, you know uh, everyone should know by now that Bitcoin makes certain trade-offs and it's trade-offs all the way down. So uh, the perfect solution never exists in engineering. It's just uh, you know the, the perfect solution for what? For Bitcoin, it's uh, 21 million set in stone, basically. It's like uh, it, everything is geared towards um, keeping the integrity of the monetary policy. That's that's how I would say it. That's why I sometimes, um, you know, um, phrase it that the soul of Bitcoin is 21 million because everything is geared towards keeping that intact. And the the, the trade-off is everything else. You know, like we don't have unlimited block space. We don't have, uh, like it's it's very hard to keep a global synchronous state of anything and so uh, you have to make certain trade-offs nostr is very very different because nostr doesn't need the global synchronous state it has similar building blocks in some sense like cryptographically speaking but like pablo alluded to it is different from other decentralized social media things that have tried before and i'm uh, i'm i'm even hesitant to call nostr decentralized social media because that's kind of to me it's more like self-sovereign identity in some sense and kind of um it, it offers the right building blocks to like you said john before to build a new internet that's way harder to stop way harder to censor and has native identity baked in identity was always something that was missing from the internet so you had to have an authority that gives you your identity that's why you're identified by your twitter handle or by your you know whatever handle it's like your facebook identity or your gmail email thingy or whatever and nostr has cryptographic identities baked in and you have your nostr identity and you might have multiple and they are not connected to your real life identity uh, unless you want them to and so on and so i think that's the the right building block and the the censorship resistant part like pablo said i think you know will there's still a lot of technical work to be done like for example you know nostra has dms as well if you have anything critical to send to someone don't use nostra dms like nostra dms are not <laughs> very private yet you know and there's a lot of metadata leakage because again like it makes use of the fact that information is very easy to spread and hard to stifle so information is spread all over the place and you can tell like who is dming whom and so on on nostra but we saw already like really big relays going down, like Pablo said, and uh, very recently um, the Damus relay was also nuked by Will, and like nothing happened. It's like most people don't <laughs> didn't really notice, and so I think we we are in a really good spot on the NASA side in terms of it. Like Fiat Jeff described it, you know, it's 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 simple enough that it can actually work. Like it has a chance of working. It's a it's the first time we have a decentralized social media that has a chance of working. And I think the most beautiful thing is that you are truly in charge of your own identity, and you can also do everything yourself without without becoming the new king of whatever instance you're running. Like like it was with with Mastodon and so on. So it is a very different approach, and I think it has all the right ingredients to really rebuild parts of the internet in a in a more sane more freedom oriented more self-sovereign way and in terms of stopping it and in terms of you know the powers that be kind of um trying to interfere with it we we will see how this will play out but i see it in a similar way as i see it with bitcoin the only winning move is to play so you'll have to join eventually and so with, with Bitcoin, we see this very clearly. Like um, we see it now also on a nation state level and so on. We see it on a on a you know public company level and so on. If you don't have Bitcoin 
on your balance sheet, you're just like, it's way better and way easier to just put Bitcoin on your balance sheet <laughs> and join the Bitcoin network than to try to fight Bitcoin. And I think with Nostra, it will be similar. It's, it's, and we saw this before. It's just, it's just the, the better, more open, more resilient system. And the last time a better, more open, more resilient system replaced another one is when we switched from print and newspapers and so on to the internet. And you can like, you know, try to fight the internet and uh, keep your uh, little newspaper alive and so on. But it's way, way better. You just join and uh, you, you just become another blog and, <laughs> and you know, go with the times. And I, I think this will be how it will play out with Nostra as well. Do you think one of the stumbling blocks for adoption generally, which is somewhat similar to, to Bitcoin, because, you know, you never stop hearing uh, people make the case that, you know, not everyone's going to be able to secure a set of information, let's say 12 words in Bitcoin. And that's, you know, that's a hurdle. Do you think it would be something similar in Nostra? Because so many people become so used to being able to get bailed out by password yes. retrieval or whatever. And now we're in a landscape where you have a much greater responsibility to preserve the integrity of your own data. Is that the major stumbling block for adoption? <laughs> no, the major stumbling block <laughs> currently is a different one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat what I said a couple of days ago to Pablo. It's like because people are you know scratching their heads, um, uh, why is it that no one you know is is joining Noster anymore? Basically, like you know, there was a large influx and, and it kind of stopped. And you know maybe there aren't enough tutorial videos, and maybe you know like like you mentioned handling the private keys is too much and so on. I completely disagree. It's just you know there's only Bitcoiners on Noster basically. More or less, all the chatter is about Bitcoin, and so if you're not interested in Bitcoin, it's really hard to to join and stay. And the the example I gave to to Pablo just a couple of days ago is like, you know, it's like you're you're going to a gay bar, but you yourself are not gay. Like, how much of a good time are you gonna have? It's like, how long are you gonna stick around? It's just <laughs> it's for a certain set of people, and that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly fine. And I think I think I think it will be like this for a little bit. And um, Jack mentioned this as well that all these communities they had, um, like all these all these networks, they 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 had a, a certain group of people as a as a seed you know twitter had uh, you know san francisco um journalist type people basically and uh you know like the, the the tech sphere was big reddit also had a very certain internet subculture when it uh started off and so on and and i think that's fine in terms of handling private key material i think it will be very similar to how it's handled now with more modern bitcoin wallets um you don't necessarily handle the seed material like insanely directly like for for certain use cases it, it it's perfectly acceptable acceptable to have an encrypted backup stored in the cloud and so on. if it's your life life savings it's a very different story but for like a spending wallet you know like that's that's fine and i think for nostra as well um we see this already with the legacy social media sites with Facebook and so on. It's like um, social recovery is used a lot and it actually works. And I'm, I'm a fan of it. A lot of Nostra people kind of hate it and hate the idea. I really like it. <laughs> so sorry to everyone who's listening, but you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll hear me talk about social recovery a lot because I think in, in the end, you, you will always have this problem if you rely on purely on a key to identify yourself completely like if you lose the key you have to start from scratch and if your key gets stolen it's very hard like you you if your key gets stolen 
you'll have to prove somehow that this is not you anymore. It's like, it's a really, really, really hard problem. And you can't, you can't solve it with keys all the way down. You know, like you'll have a master key that derives all the other keys that you actually use. Okay, what if your master key gets stolen? <laughs> and so on. And like I said, like people are really bad with handling key material, but people are really good with, you know, reaching out to their five closest friends in another way and convincing their five closest friends of like, hey, this is actually me, my key got stolen or I lost it and so on. Can you reinstantiate my account by just doing this and that and clicking around here? And if five people agree that, you know, this is the new Pablo, then this is the new Pablo. And uh, I, 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 th this is how I see it play out because we see, we see this is already in effect in Facebook and other platforms where you just uh, you know fall back to social recovery and and this really works and is easy for people. Yeah, I, I wrote a specification called on uh, NIP41, which handles uh, how to signal that you are moving to a different key um, in a in in a, in a pretty good way with within within all these constraints um, and the use case like the, the user experience that I have in mind heavily relies on on the social signaling uh, because the, the basic way it works is you uh, you anchor to Bitcoin uh, an event saying my next key will will be this other key uh, and if your key gets compromised you can prove that at that at some point in the past uh, you wanted to migrate to this other key um, but the, the way I see it actually working is that when when people um, would say, for example, I publish an event saying my key got compromised and I, I will move to this key that I whitelisted as my next key two years ago, um, that maybe I'll call Gigi and say, hey, this is this is real. I got my I got my key stolen or leaked or whatever, uh, and I'm moving to this key. And and Gigi can put the weight of of his uh, our relationship behind this migration event. Um, to to me, when I saw that a company like Facebook relies on social on social uh recovery was was very interesting because it like facebook is fully 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 custodial right like you cannot move your your identity it, it's it's a password that you can recover so they they have like they don't need to compromise they they own your account they can do whatever they want with the account yet at their scale the only thing that works is social recovery, which is super interesting. It, it's very, very interesting that even though they can do whatever they want with your account, they need to rely on social recovery to to give your account back. Mm -hmm. um, we could talk about Nostra forever, but there are some other things I, I want to discuss. But one last thing with Nostra, I mean, when the capacity to circumvent controls of any kind, when the ability to say no typically emerges, there's usually, you know, at the at the top of the line are the people doing stuff you're not allowed or supposed to be doing, right? So it's all fine and dandy to do a new Twitter on Noster, and that's novel because, you know, of all the censorship that's been going on in, in legacy social media over the last few years. But like, also, if you really can do things online and and circumvent controls, you know, Usually porn and illegal stuff is like right up at the top of the, the list, right? To to leverage these new technologies. So, you know, Pablo, you're probably the closest to all this. I mean, I'm not asking you to out or, or uh, incriminate anybody, but like are dark markets emerging on Noster or, you know, like what, what's happening in that space to really, you know, kind of in a sense, test its it's ability. There's a lot of porn, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> and not all of it published by Gigi, by the way. 
yeah, actually, so so a couple of days ago, uh, Kieran, uh, the guy behind uh, Snores and Substream, he he launched uh, a very bare bones um, Pirate Bay style uh, torrent client, uh, which just uses Nostr, so it relies on on on, on relays uh, to to disseminate the information about about the torrents. Um, it's yeah, it was I think it was like two days ago that that he published it, um, but it, it's something that makes a lot of sense for for Nostr. Um, and we we see all the work that Pirate Bay has done to to stay alive, uh, even within uh, I think they're based in in Sweden. Uh, and uh, they have exchanged uh, some some very funny emails with the uh, with the the people from the licensing world and whatnot. Uh, but even within that world, they have struggled so much, and and they have had to do so much work just to to stay alive, uh, moving locations and changing uh, name servers and changing registrars and, and and all these things and having the site go down. But because these the one that Kieran uh, launched. It's it's based on based on Noster. It it it's very basically very 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 hard to to stop because I can run it locally, uh, just just like Bisc. So in the same way that Bisc uh, works, I can run the 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 UI just locally and connect to any kind of relay to to get the torrent information. Uh, so definitely there are. Um, I, I'm actually working also on uh, something related to like. Uh, you could say porn, I guess. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just porn is, is one type of content. Uh, <laughs> not, not for Marty Bent. Uh, he will be banned. But uh, but yeah, I, I think these things um, are, are going to make uh, a lot of sense, uh, and and they are being built or they will be built. And in in that case, like. Let's call them dark markets, and everyone automatically thinks of of drugs, right? But really, it's just an open market like Silk Road, where you can get whatever you want. It just so happens that a lot of people want drugs, right, or things that you you're usually not able to get. But in that, in such a case, I mean, what would the approach of enforcement be? Would they go after relays to the extent they can? Would they try to identify the relays and say, "Hey, you facilitated this, so you're you're in trouble"? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think relays are the ones that are on the hook uh, for for this kind of data because clients, a, a client is like a browser, right? right. You you can, you can display in a browser whatever you want, uh, and you cannot hold Mozilla accountable for oh you display child pornography. It, it mm-hmm. just cannot. It, it just does not work like that. Uh, but relays are the ones holding the data. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely is uh, up to the relays to circumvent uh, the local restrictions. It's uh, a really tricky question, kind of, because you really have to get down to the nitty gritty of what are we talking about, where is the data stored, and so on. Like the torrent uh, thing that was just mentioned, the Pirate Bay is also it's just an indexer, so it just points to other torrents, and the file transfer happens peer to peer via torrent clients, and the data is not like the the, the movies or whatever um, uh, are not stored on the Pirate Bay; they just aren't. And that's the the same is usually true in the Nostra world relays. They do hold data, but they hold it. They, they usually don't hold a lot of data. Like um, uh, in in, in Nostr, usually images and videos and other things are hosted in, in other places. And so the enforcement game turns into a game of whack-a-mole. If like um, if if you think a file is illegal, 
and you want to remove it from the internet, you have to go after the servers that actually serve the file. And what Pirate Bay, for example, landed on is just like they switch servers like every day, basically. And it's just like they they have a million different URLs and uh, it's very easy to spin it up. So it's very similar to the model that Nostra uses by default. Like it's very, very easy to spin up a new relay and surf whatever data um, you want to surf. And it's trivial for client for clients, it's the default for clients to fetch stuff and post stuff to multiple relays. And that's why the exit cost on Nostra is like zero. Like you don't even notice if one of the relays goes down. It's like, it's it's very much like you don't notice if one of the Bitcoin nodes goes down. It's just like, the, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's blasted everywhere and everyone holds the same data. In Nostra, it's a bit different. Like not everyone holds the same data, not at all. But um, you fetch stuff from many, many multiple sources and you also broadcast stuff to, to multiple sources. And so, um, Rebuilding something like the Pirate Bay on Nostra makes a lot of sense. It's 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 basically the same model. It's just more streamlined, easier to do, and um, you know, on a on the protocol level. And for yeah, for 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 law enforcement again, it 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 depends always on the jurisdiction what is deemed illegal and what not. And you will have to do actual legwork, actual police work to shut down the servers where. The, if they are in your jurisdiction um, to remove the stuff that you don't like. But I think this will, um, I mean, we, we already see this. This is increasingly hard if you don't know where the stuff is hosted in the first place and if stuff is end-to-end -end encrypted. It's very hard to even make a judgment call of what is the nature of the data and those kind of things. Right. So yeah, I, I would say we'll see how this plays out. Um, I'm not too worried about this because in general, also for torrents, torrents, it's very unfortunate that most people think they hear tor torrents and they, they think you know illegal because torrents are anything but illegal. Torrents are very very useful. Like Linux distributions use torrents as a default for you know large file downloads, those kind of things. There, there's a lot of like I use torrents all the time and I rarely use them for anything that's deemed illegal in some jurisdiction. You know, it's 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 a it's an awesome protocol to share large files, and um, I think in general. Um, also the stuff that we see on Nostra now um it's 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 just regular stuff it's not uh, you know people are <laughs> people <laughs> most people are normal and with the 1% of psychopaths that do whatever like you you always have to find a way to deal with them you cannot deal with them at the expense of the other 99% and you you'll actually have to do traditional police work and the legwork to to deal with those people that's kind of my take well, that's what's so fascinating. I mean, Gigi, you and I have talked about this at length many times, but now Nostra adds another, you know, angle or level to this, which is the the social psychological change that these open systems will necessitate almost, right? Because before it was, you know, it was like prison level enforcement. Don't do that, or we're taking something away from you, or we're putting you somewhere, or we're hurting you in some way. Right. And that has generally been how society has determined, you know, we things are kept within the framework of whomever decides such things. Right. And obviously, all of us on this call would probably uh, identify several aspects of our current social circumstance that we disagree with, that we have been limited in, in ways and we haven't been able to express ourselves or lack of sovereignty or whatever. And these protocols are dissolving a lot of those things. And so for a lot of people, it's going to be very scary, right? Because those typical 
restrictive structures that have been in place to quote unquote stop the bad guys will be removed. And then the question remains, well, like then how do you stop the bad guys? And yes, there will, you know, be a you know, a ton of different mechanisms to try to do that, both in this new sovereign world and there'll be a you know reflexive response in the in the legacy world. But I do also think it's it's going to necessitate that we you know, do many things, but for lack of a better term, place more emphasis on morality generally. Like those discussions will have to become more elevated and they will have to be more socially enforced in the culture between individuals within organizations and that kind of stuff in order to uh, negate some of the real negative effect of unbridled freedom, let's say. And uh, I think that's great. I think that's a very good thing because the the inverse of that, which perhaps has been the state that's prevailed for so long, is that those conversations haven't been happening because everyone has been so uh, restricted or controlled by some authority outside of themselves. And so you have you know a society generally who doesn't talk as much about these moral issues as they ought to, because basically they're not in charge of them, right? They're not the one who decides such things. And they just, and that's why you get this kind of notion of zombie or sheeple that, you know, goes around these days because people give up the responsibility to engage in such things because, you know, on one level, of course, I, I, anytime people give up responsibility, I'm critical of that, but you can understand it on a level because it's kind of been taken from them in a sense. But now that you know, the these such seismic shifts in the structure of social interaction are happening. I think it's going to necessitate that those conversations are elevated and that the emphasis is placed back on every individual's, uh, you know, responsibility and requirement to think about these things more deeply, you know? So how yeah. how do I mitigate some of the negative downsides of of this opening up by my own behavior and by my own interactions and by my own expectations of the people that I'm interacting with? I think ex expectations are uh, um, like a good way to think about this and how I see this emerging. I mean, Nostra, make no mistake, Nostra is like ridiculously small still. Like I think most of the subreddits are bigger than Nostra. <laughs> um, it's like it's 200 people basically. I don't know. It's uh, it's very, very, very small. It's all of Pablo's clones and, uh, you know, VHF and so many people. Um, but what... Again, back to the the building blocks. Nostar provides the right building blocks to rebuild a lot of the things that we saw on the internet in a more proper, less restrictive way. And what I'm actually excited about is um, the various communities that are already emerging on top of Nostar, and also kind of uh, the various clients that that are um, that have certain restrictions and that have community moderation and those kind of things, because that's the way how humans have always worked. Like identity is very much prismatic. You are not one person. You are a different person when you go to church than when you go to the strip club or whatever, you're a different person at work than when you are <laughs> with your buddies at the sport club or what have you. And so you have all these social cues on how to behave and what is okay and what is expected and so on. And again, back to the expectations. And we see this on line as well like the way people behave on 4chan is very very different than the way people behave on linkedin i mean for for some people that's not true but <laughs> generally speaking <laughs> there are different expectations on different platforms and we have all these different subcultures and subcommunities and so on and i i think the same thing will emer emerge very naturally on nostr and it, it is about the question of who 
actually has the power to silence someone else and who has the power to you know curate information and so on and in Nostra generally the, the power is given to the users to the users themselves or or to smaller communities and i think the 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 just like in in any type of governments uh, I, I i think the smaller it is the better it is for self-expression and for freedom and so on and so forth and um that's where i see it going like you will have um these various sub experiences so to speak like this very different experiences but you're still using Nostr as the base layer and as the protocol, just like you have very different experiences online today, but you're still using the internet. You're still using uh, TCP/IP and HTTP and and, and whatnot. And uh, I think it's just yeah, uh, uh, the the shift, like it's currently it's not obvious how it is better, but as the pain of the legacy system increases, it will become more obvious of how it is better. Just like currently for for many people still, it's not obvious how Bitcoin is better. But if you ever got debanked for you know like honking too loudly or whatever, you immediately know why Bitcoin is better. And for everyone who was put into Twitter jail many times or got deplatformed and so on, it's immediately obvious why Nostra is better. And so I think it will just take some time to to play out. But both the freedom aspect will become more obvious, and also I think moderation and uh, kind of community expectations and those kind of things that we know from the current platforms uh, will also emerge in a slightly different way, but still they, they, they will emerge, I think. Yeah, By, let's do a segue here. So I think part of the uh, impact of these digital freedom landscapes emerging and also the capacity for them or the the result of them emerging is you know people finding each other right like like minded people finding each other like we all have and like you know everyone in the bitcoin community has is that that the weight of the economic weight the ideological weight of that occurrence is trying to find homes in meat space right because it's all well and good to have digital freedom but that's only one aspect of our lives right we all have to eat and hang out and and live at least currently we'll see what the future holds but um <laughs> and so people are looking for places where the the freedom that they can establish online in the digital world can be you know there's a there's a commensurate freedom in meat space world maybe it's not equal but at least you know where people are searching for that as well and madeira has recently popped up as you know one of those potentials it's a small island off the coast of, uh, or maybe two small islands off the coast of Morocco. Um, Andre, you, you could probably explain it better than me. And I know we, we touched on it briefly, but my, my impression is that it's this place that there's a, a, a brewing kind of Bitcoin community there. There's been some support from the local government. Some people will think that's good. Some people will think it's bad. Some people will think it's irrelevant. Um, but I think a lot of us, especially in the post-COVID era, are open, e either actively looking or looking or open to the idea of moving to a place where we can have a better lifestyle, where there's more freedom, where there's more like-minded people around, where Bitcoin is more prevalent and can be used more easily, all of that kind of stuff. And it seems like Madeira is emerging as one of those places. So um, I spoke to Gigi yesterday. Pablo and Gigi have both recently moved there. And uh, there's going to be a you know a big influx of people coming from the conference and I coming for the conference and I suspect a lot of those people are going to be kind of 
checking it out as a potential place to either, you know, buy property or, or move, you know, buy a vacation property or move full time. So, you know, what's, what's the current status in Madeira as a, an emerging sovereign citadel, let's say. We're asking for independence next week. No, I'm just, I'm Damn it. I, cool I wish that was true. <laughs> no, but it's um, all you said. So the, the, the main goal, actually, if you, if you, if you choose one, um, there's many goals to free Madeira. But if, if, you, if you had to choose one, it's exactly that. So we, we're trying to establish a bottoms up community here. You know, and, uh, I, we, we can't be, you know, maybe on our way to freedom in a way, but it's, you, we're still part of the mainland Portuguese government and part of the EU. So there's a lot of trade-offs uh, on our jurisdiction, jurisdiction as well. But has the same way I think about legal tender, you know, laws in El Salvador, for example, that I I don't think they were the, the, the right approach by a top-down perspective. I think the same way on 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 this. Um and in the, I think if you if you can get the community running, the numbers running, you know, the, a lot of people joining the community, I think we can, you know, maybe approach it on a on a bottoms up uh, way. And who knows? In the future, we will uh, declare independence from from the mainland. Not... <laughs> is is it's there a... any is there any like fervor for that in Madeira? Like, has there been any cultural aspect of that ever? Or... No, ever there was actually there was a famous you know before um, well the, for foreigners there's this date doesn't say anything but seventy four was the revolution in Portugal, um, the Republican Revolution. And before that, in Madeira, there was this organization called Flama uh, that I, it was actually like a small, um, do we say ETA in Barcelona, the, you know, the independence movement, movement in Barcelona. Uh, where, okay. Okay. In, in the Basque uh, country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there was a small uh, thing like that here for the Madeira independence, you know, blowing up cars. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a, there's a total history on that, um, and there were a few fervent uh, actors in Madara that really were pushing for uh, Madara to be an independent state, basically. So maybe we can do that in the future as well, without blowing up the well, cars. <laughs> you know, you we'll say in, in cyberspace. Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll go Ethereum way and just do it on the metaverse, you know. No? <laughs> um, but I think we can do it, you know, a lot of people call Bitcoin the peaceful revolution. So maybe, who knows, we can do something similar on midspace. Well, that would be very cool. I mean, it seems like this kind of fracturing and balkanization is going to continue happening over the next several decades as you know the the largesse and the weight of these massive governments just is incapable of sustaining themselves basically whether it's from debt burdens or just you know managing complexity and that kind of stuff so you never know because like an island nation sounds a little more sexy than a protectorate or jurisdiction or whatever madeira status is but in any case it it sounds very nice. You know, Gigi was giving me a bit of the rundown yesterday, just in terms of climate, food, population, amenities, services, cost of living, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, what's what's your, before we get into the conference, what's typically your kind of highlights of Madeira that you talk to people about that are prospectively looking into either visiting or moving there? Well, actually, I had a conversation this morning that I, I remembered a, a very good example. And a, a lot of people care about the, the weather, right? The weather is part of the quality of life, I guess. So Madara on that is on the top of the And world. what's it like average 25, not too hot, not too humid, 
sort of exactly, thing because it's very temperate uh, all over the year it doesn't get too hot doesn't get too cold you know i uh, the funny story was uh, this real story about a wealthy guy you know a few years ago um that at one point decided you now i want to live in the most uh, temperate uh, part of the world and the most comfortable part of the world and um for that he started he was a very scientific guy so he started researching all the weather data around the world and they figured out the 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 best the most reliable sensors were the airport sensors so we collected all the airport sensors around the world and they and ended the numbers. up numbers so that <laughs> i think that's full explanatory about the weather we have here um right. so that's part of it but overall uh it's it's a very there's a lot going on for the quality of life overall you know in the infrastructure nature you know relation multicultural at the same time it's not that small that you still you still have the restaurants the night out the you know the the, the it's very touristic for a long time so there's a lot of expats living here so it's multicultural cosmopolitan in a way but without being overwhelming um you know it's english it's, everywhere english everywhere so it's it's basically a good place to live it's safe overall um we can and the, po the population of funchal is like a, i think Gigi said yesterday 130 150,000 something like that yes in Madrid it's like 250 around 250 260 and half of that lives in in the in the main city right that's a nice size well, there's All a right. lot more Madarans outside actually on the diaspora uh it's on the millions actually isn't uh there's someone super famous that's from Madeira, or maybe I'm, maybe it's Cristiano Ronaldo, probably. Yeah, yeah, he's from Madeira, right? Yeah, the only reason Portugal doesn't give us independence, they need the guy for the national team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me. Uh, and actually, before we go on to the conference, Pablo, you are you? I don't want to out where you were previously, but last time we spoke, you were somewhere else. Yeah, in uh, Kalibnas, in Greece. Right, and it sounded pretty sweet there. So, what yeah. <laughs> what caused you to make the move from one beautiful island to another uh well in Kalimnos doesn't have great weather uh so it has a rainy season uh and that's why we have such fantastic climbing there uh is because it rains a lot during the winter so all winters i must leave <laughs> uh and yeah we decided to to come here um at this stage for our family um some a place like madeira is much better for the development of my family, let's say, um, and we we were in Madeira in March, I think, or April this year, and we absolutely loved it. Uh, <laughs> the place is 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 very weird uh, because you have like city uh, summer life, uh, like super nice weather, and just long uh, short no no sleeves shirts, just on shorts. And then you drive 15 minutes and it's like you're in Norway uh, in the middle of the forest within the fog. Uh, it, 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 Cause you go straight up basically. Cause uh, you go straight up, right. straight up. Uh, and it, it's, it's so weird having such like, I, when we were here in, in March or April, uh, we would leave the house and take our shorts on our down jacket. <laughs> you need wow. everything in between as well. Um, it's actually the first tip that my wife gives to everyone who comes from the outside. You know, you're all good. Just put your swimwear and your winter jacket in the car. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we we um, we came and we we absolutely loved it. 
uh and yeah we we've been here for like two weeks and yeah everybody in the family is enjoying it so much oh, so, you, oh you've only been there two weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. you've been there longer okay they're, they're but, but, but you're planning on staying for a while yeah so at least for the next year we'll we'll be staying here cool um all right andre tell me about the conference how it came to be what the kind of approach is i mean from a quasi outside perspective i mean it seems like it's going to be a pretty unique conference. It seems like you're trying to really think about the things that have been lacking in other conferences and also the things that appeal to, you know, let's say the Bitcoin maximalist crowd, for lack of a better term, um, out, outside of just what's happening in Bitcoin technologically or economically, but kind of broadening the scope of other things that a lot of Bitcoin Bitcoiners tend to care about. So what's what was the motivation behind the conference and and tell me a bit more about it? So that was yeah, that's that that was one of the goals actually, because um, you know, when it started, and I have to go to the beginning, you know, when I when I pitched the idea of doing a conference here uh to the advisory board, it was just in my head it was something way smaller. <laughs> Um, I was thinking about, you know, bringing the, the advisory board here or maybe a few other guys and just do something smaller that we could mainly, you know, attract the locals, the curious minds that, um, of, of Rochelle, but also um, invite government officials, you know, public entities, you know, the power company, you know, people that we wanted basically to start a relationship with in, in terms of, you know, the education and how this technology can be important for, for us. Uh, but because we have this uh, amazing advisory board, things quickly escalated, and um, and suddenly we had uh, you know big names like Jack Dorsey and Michael Saylor and you know Jack Mahler is confirmed to come. And at one point, I just gave up and I said, you know, fuck this, you know, I I we need to go big. <laughs> And um, when I decided to 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 go big, uh, I want to do it properly. So we, we we thought about well, not everything, but the most we can, you know, to make it a an excellent week. I would say not only a conference. There's a lot of satellite events going on that week, and we immediately thought of doing a um, sort of a vacation slash uh, conference kind of week, not only not only the conference for the only the Bitcoiners. So we wanted to attract the families, the wives, the kids, you know, the, everyone to come. Um, and yeah, and that was part of the design uh, since the beginning, I guess. And that's why we also have so many things going on from family oriented activities to nature-oriented activities and some not even related to Bitcoin at all. Just, you know, vacation activities basically for the family mm -hmm. also to enjoy and the kids and the wives and everything else. Well, you could say that an element of Bitcoin is just good, strong, healthy living, you know, and it seems like there's going to, some of those satellite events are going to be about that. How many people are you expecting? Well, we're aiming for 5,000 people uh, since the beginning. Um, I think we're going to reach, if not that number, very close. Um, ticket sales are going well. We're still three months away from the conference. Uh, there's a lot of interest and buzz, and you know, a lot of people are talking about it. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about people interested in in, in visiting. That's already happening a lot. You know, you, you, not only people that are coming for the conference for the first time, with also an eye in Madeira for other reasons. Uh, but it's been happening just last week. Here at the co-work space, you know, Joanna, the reception girl, called me, you know, hi, Andrea, someone's there at the door, you know, calling for you. 
I was like, I went to the door and there was this couple of Americans from Seattle, um, just straight from the airport to meet me here at co-work. Uh, you know, basically they wanted to meet me, say, oh, great. You know, congratulate me on the project. Um, Madara is amazing. We never heard about Madara before this. And you have to tell the president that people like me are coming here. To... <laughs> how did <laughs> they <laughs> How did they know about you? They saw you on a podcast or something? Probably, yeah, I guess. They saw the initial videos and some podcasts. Maybe, uh, maybe. Your OnlyFans, awesome. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my most only fans uh, porn thing. <laughs> I said like, <laughs> um, but it's, um, the the word is spreading. Yeah, what's the status? I know that um, I think Portugal just recently rescinded or ended their the real estate real estate investment program, maybe because you know it was too popular, and now you have to invest in like an investment fund half a million bucks, I think, um, in order to get that, you know, fast track residency or, or something like that. What's the status of, of all that? Do you know? It depends. It's not that uh, straightforward, you know, bureaucracy and red tape and, you know, it's all this complicated, but they did remove the possibility of buying, buying a property directly, uh, you know, out straight for, for the nationality. Um, in part because, well, it didn't make sense at all. Um, it doesn't make sense at all to cut that part because of the housing, but that's how politics go. You know, they were pre being pressured by the left-wing parties. You know, the, the housing prices were coming through the roof and they, they have to blame and, you know, find scapegoats. Uh, not related at all, because if you see the numbers and the real numbers on the thing, it, it's not the problem at all. Sure. But well, it's the narratives, you know, vacation rental uh, markets were also blamed for a lot of stuff, you know, the, the wealthy guys that are, you know, stealing our properties are, you know, another reason. So they had to find their scapegoats. It's uh, almost as if they had printed trillions and trillions of dollars. Okay. Because, I don't know, I've read something online. It might have something <laughs> to do with it. But, uh, you know, they don't, you know, it goes and it's the same thing in Portugal. Actually, the last government, because they actually fell down last week. Uh, the national government is Euro-socialism, as the rest of Europe, basically. Mm -hmm. Although it's turning now to other factions and they are pretty scared now of the far right now, like because, of course, nothing related to their policies so far. But uh, um, So we suffer the same destiny as, uh, I guess, all other EU nations. Um, we are a bit more self-sovereign uh, because of the reasons that I said. We have our own government, we have our own parliament. Uh, we are um, semi-autonomous semi region of Portugal, but we are still limited on our power, especially the big ones like tax and nationality and so on. Yeah. What it, this, is it possible? Because I, I looked into it a bit. And so now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's all these funds you can invest in farming, real estate, ho like whatever. And these funds, presumably you, you put in, I think, a half a million bucks or whatever the amount is. And then you can get your residency slash citizenship. But I was, you know, purely selfishly thinking about it. I'm like, well, I don't want to invest in any of those funds. But if one of those funds was just Bitcoin, maybe at some point I would think about it, right? If I could just, because I don't want to park that kind of money in whatever, anything other than Bitcoin, basically. But if you started one of those funds that were part of that program, then, you know, maybe it's a little more palatable. That we may have some news for you shortly, but um, 
the thing is, it's it's not that straightforward, and and it's not only funds. You can invest in limited companies without being, you know, fund uh, investment. Oh, okay. Deal. Okay. So, for example, we were just speaking with another Maxi Bitcoiner, Svetsky, the other day because he was also considering that, and uh, we were talking about the the different possibilities. Um, there's there's a path to residency and, and national nationality besides the you know capital investment. There's also NHR programs and nomad programs and so on that are quite cheaper, but also you know usually more bureaucratic and a lot of, a lot of paperwork involved. Uh, but also in direct investment, the funds, the, the, the you know business allocation, you can invest in you know in research. There's there's some other vehicles that are still around. Uh, and yeah, we are designing something interesting that I cannot talk about until there's a full green light on those. Mm -hmm. But it will be it will be allow for something that you're close to what you were saying. Awesome. And is is the amount five hundred thousand? Do I have that right? Yes. So even if it's in a in a company or if it's in one of these funds, it's the same amount. Yes. Cool. So I didn't know, I didn't realize that. So it could you, it's not just any company or any company. If you invest that's a certain amount in. Like... Uh, there's different rules to each case, but uh, for example, if you create, let's say you created your own company here, right? You could do that. You could incorporate a company here, uh, invest 500 K of your own capital in your own company. Uh, but then there's other rules attached. You need to create five jobs and there's some other restrictions that you have to do. Uh, or you can also invest uh, 500K in an existing company, for example. And um, that already has five jobs created. And there's, but it's, it depends on the, on the different uh, equations. That holds exclusively Bitcoin on their balance sheet. <laughs> It depends on the um, on each individual. So right. there's consulting and all of that needed in the middle because every situation is different. Uh, but there's a lot of options still. And what you know, you you're probably the the go-to person for inquiries about Madeira and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's what's the interest like? You mentioned that couple that came, you know, just showed up and asked about the presidents and stuff. But are there a lot of people? looking at Madeira, a lot of Bitcoiners, let's say, looking at Madeira for the reasons we've been discussing? Absolutely. Uh, it's been uh, surprising to me the number of people that reached out, um, and a lot of them inquire about that. So I'm, I'm considering coming. I want to visit, you know, to test it out. I want to, it's, it's been, I lost count now. Um, and a few um, are already living here. And when I mean a few, I mean on the tens at least, 10, 20, 30 people already. Um, but there's more coming for sure because the, we, we see it on the telegram groups, on emails, on calls, and everyone. A, a lot of interest now. And how I know this is one of your things you're working on. And Gigi told me a little bit about it yesterday. But how pre how easy is it to pay with Bitcoin, or how prevalent is acceptance of Bitcoin? Because I think you know one of your maybe objectives, and I think it's a very good one, is to increase the amount of people locally who accept Bitcoin because you know. Uh, I'm sure some will disagree with this, but I think a lot of Bitcoiners actually would like to spend Bitcoin, you know, in their daily life if possible. But obviously, the the opportunity to do so is is limited at the moment. I wasn't uh, very focused on that when we launched the the, the initiative because 
Um, I didn't want to, you know, in the beginning, the community was still um, a minority. So I didn't want to put a lot of merchants uh, online in, if they were not going to see any payments, you know, regularly. So I think it's a thing that needs to go hand in hand, you know, the market and the, and the supply or the demand. And but now, of course, since a few months ago, we started really pushing for it uh, because of, of the community growing and the conference that's happening now. You know, I've I've been thinking about the conference a lot, as you can imagine. But you know, if we do get five thousand people at the same week in Fushal, <laughs> see, you have to see the size of Fushal. You know, the city it's gonna be you know, bitcoiners everywhere, literally. <laughs> um, and so we we increased our push a lot and i uh, actually our first official hire for the company was charlie charlie has by the way a very uh authentic personal story with bitcoin because he's from venezuela so one of our largest communities and uh, he escaped venezuela with, with bitcoin in his head with his mother to madara which is awesome a very good story and he's our first uh, official employee of Frimadera. I call him the, the merchant rabbit now. Uh, he goes all over uh, towns, uh, orange filling and, uh, you know, teaching the merchants on how to, to accept and, you know, supporting them. And so far, it's been crazy. Now we're going ballistic. Um, we're, we're, we're in a, our own bull run of merchants here in, in Fushal. <laughs> And um, to my surprise, uh, the acceptance has been crazy good. They basically everyone is interested. Uh, everyone's accepting to 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 start accepting you know Bitcoin payments. They've been very nice to Charlie. Charlie is already very rotated. So I think we're gonna have some really good numbers by the conference time. Amazing, amazing. It, it has uh, happened multiple times where I go to a shop. And I just see a sign Bitcoin accepted here, but I didn't go to the shop because of BTC map or anything like that. It just happened to coincidence. Right. Um, so, but yeah, on the way here, we're at his cohort now, and on the way here, I I buy a coffee with Bitcoin every single day. Uh, I go and have lunch and pay with Bitcoin. I have breakfast when I have breakfast with Bitcoin. It's uh, it's. The pharmacy, like a bunch of pharmacies. Yeah, and soon we'll have the, you know, the biggest, one of the oldest companies of Madara and one of the biggest ones, which is the, the brewery. And they do juices and, and everything. They're going to start accepting Bitcoin now on their um, soon to launch uh, main store in downtown Trochelle. Also the golf course. Uh, there's a the lot of place. place. The brisket, the brisket place. place we need because there's a lot of demand from. from yeah, you need you need some steak places <laughs> to to accept Bitcoin for sure. I thought about you, and I, we need to go to the what's the, the Muay Thai thing, the and, boxing gym, the the MMA. I, I actually searched that recently. <laughs> there's there's like four or five MMA gyms in in Funchal, and they look pretty good. You know, uh, uh, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, that'd be awesome. My um, my. My wife's cousin actually was uh, one of the records. Well, he won the National League a few times in Muay Thai. And uh, nice. I can convince him to accept Bitcoin easily. <laughs> but he runs one of the gyms? Yes. Nice. Um, Gigi, you've been a bit quiet. Why don't you chime in with your impressions of, of Madeira before I you know, move on to the, the next subject? He's gone. He's a Gigi's <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be here anymore. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll ask Pablo something. Um, Got to ask about 
Oh, is he back? Oh my! Do I have like a twenty-second delay? What's going on? <laughs> we thought you bailed. Oh my god! No, no, I'm still here. I, I, I. It seems like my microphone switched itself off or something. Um. So I can, I can only echo what what the guys have been saying so far. So it's a very, very nice place, and uh, it happened to me too, actually, that I just went into a random place to have coffee, and I saw a Bitcoin accepted here on on the cash register, and I was asking, you know, like, you know, is is that true? Can I pay in Bitcoin here? And so on. and and the guy was, you know, like so delighted. That he, he 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 was preaching to me for like uh, forty five minutes, <laughs> telling me everything about Bitcoin and how CBDCs are bad and so on. It was a really fun experience. <laughs> it was great, and um, yeah. So I, I I would encourage everyone to you know at least come for the conference, check out the place, and um, yeah, I'm I'm actually really really positively surprised also about what andre said the, the the merchant acceptance rate and um yeah just also the the, the grassroots community here so i i didn't know um what to expect um, not that i had low expectations in, in particular or anything like that but uh you know there's a lot of bitcoiners here there's a lot of um also new bitcoiners here there's a lot of interested people i think um uh, a lot of the people are just generally interested in uh you know the the sort of financial education that is otherwise not happening and you know word is going around and and, and people are um you know making it happen here and so i think we have a we, we if we if we can keep this momentum up we we have a, a very bright future ahead for bitcoin adoption here in madeira and you also said that it was a very family friendly place which i think will appeal to a lot of people can you touch on oh, that for yeah. a sec? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, Andre mentioned it before and Pablo mentioned it too. It's just the, the it, it's a very odd place geographically. And so you just have absolutely everything. Like if you like hiking, you can go hiking. If you like surfing, you can go surfing. If you like swimming, you can go swimming all year round. And there is, uh, of course, a lot of um, uh, family-friendly activities that you can do. And there is, um, yeah, uh, again, we talked about the population size already, but there's uh, plenty plenty of young families with kids and so on. There's uh, many people also that move to the mainland for university and so on. And as, as, as soon as they have kids, they come back to Madeira and just it's a very nice and very family-friendly and very safe place and also everyone is super welcoming and it's a very f friendly community to you know like you'll you'll you'll, you'll find uh, um, people to hang out with and uh, go on play dates and and whatnot immediately i would say and there's also like there's sufficient weirdos around and by that i mean like people that reject the fiat everything of the world be it food education healthcare like there's there's niche communities that are doing yeah, things yeah. differently john you you can go down to to the docks to the wave breakers and live in the in, in the holes with the with the other <laughs> weirdos <laughs> exiting society completely excellent that's, I'm that's not an issue <laughs> good to hear um andre before we before i move on anything else you wanted to mention about the conference 
Well, uh, you know, just you know, an overall invite for people to come, as, as Gigi was saying. Um, I think it's going to be, well, I'm biased, of course, but it's, we're going to make it a, for a great week in Madeira. And, you know, Madeira is already, like Rob was saying the other day, you, you, there's no way you can lose. Like, Madeira is already a very good place to visit. So, you know, just visit, come for vacations. And we'll try to also uh, push you up to real great uh, conference in the middle and a lot of satellite events. You'll have a lot to choose from. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty enjoyable, especially if you come with the family and, you know, and it's going to be great. Awesome. All right. I got to ask everyone, but particularly Pablo, about Javier Millet. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, it. It's it's exciting. Uh, I I hate all politicians. Uh, <laughs> with, with with that caveat, and I, and particularly, I don't think there is ever uh, a solution in politics because it, all permissions that are granted can be taken away. Right. Uh, with that said, it's it, it's good. Politics uh, politicians can uh, cannot be a solution, but they can be a problem. Uh, the removal of a problem is a positive. Mm. Uh, I. I, I'm I'm not skeptical. Uh, I'm I'm not. Uh, it, it's exciting to see that the the socialist the the it's 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 hard to describe what this the 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 party that has been ruling Argentina for for the past out of the past twenty four years they ruled twenty uh, during those other four years that they didn't rule uh, it was uh, a within Argentina would be like conservative, very uh, very Chicago school style conservative that was very polite and was very well-mannered. Uh, and obviously the, the communists just ransacked the guy. He wasn't able to do anything at all because he was just trying to negotiate with terrorists, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so the fact that that Millet campaign with the chainsaw uh, I, I would like to see a, a Bukele-style uh, quasi-dictatorship where he takes over the court, takes over the parliament. Otherwise, he's not going to be able to do anything. All the institutions in Argentina are completely compromised, completely compromised. So the fact that the Argentinian president is not just Cristina uh, Kirchner or, or any of these corrupt politicians or Fernandez or whoever it might be. Um, it, it, it's nice, but it's way, way, way insufficient unless he really goes heavy-handed and he puts all these corrupt people uh, in jail or kills them. Like, killing them would be fantastic. Right? <laughs> Bring back the guillotines first. Like, yes. <laughs> um, like, really, these people, Cristina Kirchner has stolen so much money so much money from what is now an extremely poor nation that Putin looks like uh, like nothing. <laughs> Putin is 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 a kid compared to the amount of of, of GDP percentage of, uh, that Argentina that she has stolen from Argentina. Um, so it's exciting from the point of view that they they didn't win again. That's good. Uh, maybe he can actually do something if he goes really heavy handed, uh, but. NVK said this, and 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 I think it's a, it's a very good way to put it. Regardless of what happens with 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 Millet, regardless of is he actually going to close the Argentinian Central Bank? Uh, let's hope he does. But if whether he does it or not, the fact that he won sends a very clear message to all these parasites that 
there there is a, there is a line there is a line that can be crossed like there is a thing as stealing too much um mm-hmm. so I, I don't know it i was very excited when i when i saw it happening i was very excited i i was excited that he didn't completely uh walked back after winning he didn't completely walk back everything he had said he stayed he stayed he's he's currently staying kind of on message with regards to like he said recently closing the um closing the Argentinian Central Bank is non-negotiable. We are going to do it. Uh, it it's kind of nice that it, it, he didn't say, oh, it was it, it's rhetoric. I didn't actually mean that I was going to close right. it. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the, the current party is going to make his life absolute hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, he doesn't have a lot of power in, or he has no power in parliament. Um, so yeah, let, let, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm happy, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, one in terms of being on brand, I did see him hanging out with Bill Clinton yesterday in in the states. I think so. That He's was a- uh, right, right, right. But and and in terms of his power, I mean, I I presume you mean it would be great if he could prosecute, you know, all the the crooks from previous governments and that justice would be done to them. I assume that's what you, you know, not going full on actual dictator mode, you know. So you can see the the extent of how ingrained the corruption is in Argentina. Uh, We we had a a general attorney. uh, This was probably like, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago or something like that that was investigating the, the Christina Kirchner, who, who at the time was the vice president. Um, and, and he was investigating her for all kinds of crimes. Like, name the crime, she had, she had done it. From jaywalking all the way to killing people, stealing billions, like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy was, was going to t- testify in front of Congress, like present a formal accusation of the vice president to remove the, um, I don't know how you call it in English, fueros. It's, it's like a, a power that someone like a vice president or someone in the Senate, they cannot be sued. So they were going to strip them. Immunity? Strip them. Yeah, like immunity. Yeah, yeah, immunity. Um, and the guy just so happened that he decided to, you know, Epstein himself on the night before testifying <laughs> and nothing ever happened. Right. The, right. the people, the Asian, the asset that killed the guy is known, is within the inner circle of Christina Kirchner. Like, everybody knows what happened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but nothing happened to her. Right. Like, the, the extent of, imagine if you were able to tell what happened with Epstein down to who killed him and the connection to the Clintons or whatever. And it didn't matter. That's the case here. Yeah. And nothing happened. Like, the corruption is so profound. That you can know just because the presidency is different, you are going to do away with it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so there, so there, there's, and this is the case in so many countries, right? There's just untouchables, right? It doesn't matter what what people do. What are you going to do? They are the authority. So if they lie, if they cheat, if they steal, and it's obvious. I mean, it's it's it, it's even the greater insult because it's like they know that you know that uh, they're doing it, and they do it anyways because what the hell are you going to do about it? And, you know, for me, the the encouraging aspect of the whole Malay thing, as you say, maybe he's going to be so hamstrung, maybe he's going to be taken out, maybe he's, he's you know, actually not what he's made out to be, made, made himself out to be. But the fact that his rhetoric was so, quote unquote, extreme or so divergent from typical rhetoric, and that it resonated with 
people is what's interesting to me. So like, sure, most of those people are probably going to be disappointed, but it does seem to be signaling that these people are receptive to these ideas of much smaller government and much more freedom and much more like fiscal and other forms of responsibility. And maybe that means they'll be receptive to the Bitcoin thesis ultimately. Like maybe this is because a lot of Bitcoiners started with on the whole libertarian path, right? And they eventually made their way to seeing the rationale behind Bitcoin. So, you know, maybe once their hopes are dashed by another politician, they'll be looking for something that can, you know, meet their hopes with less uh, likelihood of disappointment, but which which actually achieves not even not even just the same aim, but ultimately a or same objective, but even a better objective than you know, just voting harder. Let's say. Um, so hopefully that's the case. And you know, you you bring up uh, Bukele. I'm sure some people will take issue with his characterization, but it was I saw his speech that he, or with your characterization of him, but I saw his speech yesterday because he's he's like leaving now, for a bit to do the campaign, and somebody else is, kind of going to be in. I think it's a workaround so he can run again. I'm I'm not sure of the details, but he's 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 leaving for a few months, and he brought hit the executive branch together. There was like 50 people in that he was speaking to, and they're all you know uh, higher ups in the executive part of the government. And he basically it was like a spanking session. He was like, "Look, uh, first of all, you're all being investigated, all of you, um, and by the attorney general here on my on my left." And if he finds anything, you're going to be prosecuted just like anybody else. And for those of you, and also like I'm coming, I'm coming back, or there's going to be a new new cabinet or government in June of June 1st of 2024. Nobody is guaranteed a position in that. If you want to keep your job, you have to excel. I want you to give 110%, 24-7. And remember, you're not like, don't ask me for favors and like, you're not spending my money. I can't, I can't help you. You're, you know, the, you're stewards of the people's money. And, uh, you know, so like, but, and he, the, the message was like, if you fucked up, I'm going to get you. I'll be watching while I'm gone. And if you want to keep your job, you better act like it. And again, still in the realm of politics, all the criticisms that are, are legitimate of that domain but it's refreshing at least to hear a politician speak like that to basically what are in, in, in most other circumstances are his cronies, right? The people that enable each other. It's like, well, I won't tell on your corruption if you don't tell on my corruption and we'll all get rich together and who the fuck's going to do anything about it. Cause we're the boss, right? It's kind of nice. So we shall see how that goes and, and to what extent it'll be replicated in, in Argentina. But I, I guess the broader message, and I know like the, the, the political pendulum always kind of swings. I mean, it's nice, as you were saying, that in Argentina, where they just kept, again, even with the corruption, you've told me and other Argentinians I know have told me that just the mentality of the people was still such that they kept voting for these crazy socialist, you know, policies, despite how horrible it was for them. You know, it's like a very Stockholm syndrome sort of thing. And uh, it's nice that maybe that's starting to shift a bit. I mean, we're seeing these anti far left uh you know parties and people being elected in different places you know they're, they're characterized as extreme right far right you know by legacy media who knows what the truth is but it's obvious that it's it's divergent from what has been the norm for the last you know 20 years or so 
And I guess that's somewhat encouraging if for no other reason, like, again, like maybe, you know, the, the end result will be the same, but a little schism in people's perspective for other things to slip in during that schism, right? When people really start to think, okay, maybe we really should change how we've been thinking about things. And amidst that change in perspective, other more, you know, uh, more valid or more effective tools, changes, stuff like that. Obviously, we would we would make the argument for Bitcoin and Nostra and, and freedom tech generally might have the capacity to slip in during that process of people thinking about things differently, you know? So hopefully that's I the think, case. I, I think when when uh, there are um, these incredible shocks, um, obviously COVID is, is a great example of, right. of, of a massive, massive shock that awakens uh, a lot of people, that uh, allows them to see uh, reality from a different perspective. Um, and, and, and even within COVID, which, which I would say is, is probably the, the, within th these type of shocks, what the, the largest we've seen in, in a really, really long time. Totally. Uh, it, it might awaken 1%. Uh, like, awaken to the point of action. Like you, you, uh, John, you took action uh, after after the COVID. Uh, Francis and uh, and Alex and, and and a bunch of Bitcoiners uh, took took action. Like we didn't just say, "Oh, this is terrible." Uh, we modified our life based on that, uh, based on that input. Uh, um, and and I think the the stuff that has been happening on on Argentina is is similar uh, with inflation just going like incredibly rampant. Uh, Inflation went from from hurting a lot in, in Argentina in the past decade to to now the the, the problems that is creating on, on a day to day basis to a very significant part of the population is 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 very 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 uh, very strong and and that type of shock might have persuaded again a one percent to make a change to look mm. for something different. Uh, even if, if if it's within still within the realms of politics, so it's the same type of answer. It's a different answer, but it's the same type of of answer. Uh, but it it, it modifies the con the conduct of of some people. And you don't need. I don't think you need to modify the conduct of hundred percent of the people. Uh, I, I think modifying the conduct of one percent of people has huge huge downstream implications. And mm -hmm. again, pointing down to COVID, we see that the world has changed uh, profoundly. Even though most people still think the lockdowns were fantastic, we need to get the booster, but the world has changed. The world has changed, and some new doors have been opened. Um, so, I'm, I'm even within changing your vote and voting from A to B uh, is is significant. I I think it cr it creates another crack because out of the the people that change from voting to the, the communists to voting to Millet, maybe 1% of those voters will keep digging and keep looking into it and will realize that it doesn't really matter whether it's A or B, it's the whole system is at fault. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm hopeful in that sense. I, I don't think it creates such a seismic shift where everybody really becomes a Bitcoiner or anything like that, but maybe 1% or maybe 0.1%. And that makes a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I know there's still crazy fucked up shit everywhere. And there's a lot of the same agendas are still operating and psyops are everywhere and the whole thing. Right. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty darn optimistic these days, you know, mostly because 
of of Bitcoin and, and Nostra and the things that we always talk about. But there just there there seems to be well, like you said, I mean, even if it's just a fraction of one percent, that shift in perception and how it influences like, you know, or not how it influences, but like when I encounter when I meet new people, the degree to which there's like a little bit more of an opening up of perspective, a little bit of broadening of perspective, a little bit of receptivity to thinking differently and exploring, you know, different ideas and different, you know, types of conversations and stuff. It's, it's encouraging, I, I guess is the right way to put it. And so what more can you ask for than things kind of directionally going in a positive way? So bullish, yeah, I, mean, I guess, I is my point. Well, I'm extremely, extremely optimistic as well, because I, I see that we can create, we have the tools to create the kind of world that we want to see. Right. Uh, and it, it, it's way broader than, than Bitcoin or, or Noster. Uh, is is family, is is homeschooling, is is uh, creating community. I, yeah. One of the very incredible traits of, of being here in, in Madeira is that I'm creating communities with like-minded people, people yeah. who we share values with, which mm -hmm. is so, so rare. Um, it's and so important. I mean, there's nothing really more important. So important. It's so yeah. important. I'll, I'll say it's much more important with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just a part of it. Uh, well, Bitcoin is a huge catalyst for it, right? I mean, it, it identifies people and brings them together. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's the end-all be-all, right? Pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Living end goal for Fibadata. There we go. And the what? And the end goal for Fibadata. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's definitely an admirable and legitimate end goal to have. So, you know. We, we, had, a, we had a... Birthday party a few a few days ago, um, and we we got together, and it was all people that are into freedom, basically. Right. Uh, but so happens, but we were just hanging out. It just happens that all the people that were there are we all share the same values, whether they're Bitcoiners or not. We all mm -hmm. share the same values. And that's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, gents. Well, we're basically up on time. I know we could keep going forever, but we'll put a pin on it, pin in it for now, and and uh, spark another one up some other time. But any any last words before we shut it down, Andre? We start with you. Well, just you know, repeating myself, but just you know, come and visit. Uh, the conference is a good time to do it. Um, you know, Madeira is great all year round, so it can be in any other time. We have the meetups, we have the community, so just pop up and we'll have a beer together. I have I have a random question. I I forgot. I wanted to ask you. Figs, like fresh figs, do they grow in Madeira? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's a huge that's a huge <laughs> plus for me. <laughs> Pablo? There are a lot of, actually, figs are very good in the other smaller island in Porto Santo. What about olives? That's another important one. Oh, olives, there's more in, in the mainland. There's a lot, of course. Right, we, sure. are, yeah. we are the largest produ largest producer worldwide of olive oil and uh, maybe Spain. Yeah, also, maybe Spain. I, think it's, I think it's Spain, but yeah. It's Spain, but Portugal is way close to that because yeah, there's a lot. way bigger. Yeah. The south of Spain is full yeah. of olives. Well, maybe. <laughs> but we don't like Spanish. Our, 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 <laughs> our olive oil is way better. So, uh, uh, but yeah, especially in the mainland. But things you can find here, so for sure. Amazing. Pablo? 
Um, what, one of the things that I've been thinking is that there there is some hacks that make life so much easier, uh, and one of them is realizing that you have so much agency, <laughs> and a small decision can improve your life. It, it can have a, a multiplying effect. Um, that that is wild. That that you think about it, and you don't realize how easy it is to improve your life. Uh, and many times, is you want to go to a place. You, you just literally just go kayak.com or kiwi.com or any of these sites, just enter the, the site and, and just go for a week or two weeks and you'll see things in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I've had this when during the lockdowns, um, we decided to, to go to Costa Rica, as, as you know, and and, um, and we were thinking, oh, maybe we should go and, and check it out. And, and then we said, let's just, let's just move there. We had never been there uh before and we just moved with uh with with a small kid um and it, it's just a small decision that you make and then you then after the decision maybe you have a to-do list uh okay i need to sell this and get rid of that and look into this but the trigger is the decision and the decision can improve your life uh i i i pose that coming to Madeira can be that kind of decision where you're listening to a podcast. Literally, I'm in Madeira because I listen to your podcast, John, with Andre and Rob. <laughs> and I was in Thailand uh, <laughs> and I immediately messaged Rob um, because he was talking about the, the, the homeschooling and stuff like that. Uh, and two weeks later, well, no, like a month later, I was here in Madeira just because of that podcast. I, I will, <laughs> I, I post that maybe you can be listening to a podcast that touches on Madeira and you, before finishing the podcast, you go to kayak.com and you buy a flight for a week or 10 days or whatever it might be. And maybe it will change your life. Mm. So true. I love it. Gigi. Well, um, yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. I would, I would say in general um you know try to make these little decisions to maneuver yourself into a better position i mean i guess that's 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 what the struggle of life is all about and um i think going forward it will be increasingly important to learn um how to use to the tools that you will need in the digital space to remain self-sovereign and uh i mean i'm 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 preaching to the choir here, of course, but you know, really learn how to use Bitcoin, learn to, how to use Bitcoin in a self-sovereign way, learn how to use um, you know, Noster, learn how to use Noster Overtor, learn how to use all these things, because I think the rug pulls will continue um until morale and freedom improves and mm. so <laughs> we see this both in the legacy world and in the bitcoin world i think the the rock pulling and at the deplatforming will continue and hopefully it won't get too bad but it's better to be prepared beforehand and know how these things work and get comfortable with all of that because if you actually have to learn all of this on the fly while you you know need to flee your jurisdiction or whatever, then it's going to be hard. <laughs> totally. Couldn't agree more. And actually, Andre, is that something that the conference will have? You know, there's so much kind of freedom tech emerging. Will there be workshops for people that, you know, want to kind of start on that path of like, hey, how do I take the first step in digital sovereignty sort of thing? 
So not only inside the venue, but uh, also inside some satellite events. Uh, for example, we have a, a noob day that we're calling uh, Benvindo Bitcoin, so welcome to Bitcoin on the day before the conference, 100% in Portuguese. Um, a full program, it was inspired by Tim. You know, Tim is actually coming, um, Wizard of Oz. Um, and we have inside the conference as well, uh, several uh, different rooms uh, by different people uh, with different workshops and, you know, not only theory, but also practical workshops like BTC right. said, we'll have a room. Uh, Bainark has a lot, uh, another room with the community of the LN bits and maker bits and, and also the My First Bitcoin, Looking Glass and Amity Edge guys will have an, another room with workshops on, on the, you know, money fundamentals, I guess. But uh, so there's, there's someone for, for something for everyone, I guess. Amazing. Well, I can't wait. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be an awesome conference. I can't wait to visit Madeira, hang out with you guys, eat some good food, have some beers, eat some figs. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, I have very to much. Fresh figs from yeah, make sure there's some figs there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on the to-do list right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm super pumped. And uh, yeah, I, I hope, you know, people that are interested Check it out. What's the what's the domain for it, Andre? Bitcoinatlantis.com. And you can follow us. There's a freemadera.com uh, website as well, but we have to update it soon. Uh, but also follow, just follow us on the socials, I guess, on Twitter, Bitcoin Atlantis and um, freemadera.org. And subscribe to the newsletter. We'll send you know frequent details on everything that's happening and informing all the updates and the speakers and the satellite events and so on. Nice. And Pablo, what's the, I know it's the cohorts full and stuff, but people that just want to check out what you and Gigi are doing in the next couple months, what's the, how can they do that? It's sovereignengineering.io. Uh, so the first cohort is full, like you just said, but we, we are very eager to receive applications for the second one. Uh, we already received very strong uh, applications for people that uh, the it's, I think it's like around May uh, and that time, that time works better for some people. Um, so if you are interested, remotely interested in something like this, uh, to come and build stuff with, with us on whatever you want that is related to Freedom Tech, definitely, definitely apply as soon as possible. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see what the product of the first uh, go round of that is. I'm sure I'll hear all about it in Madeira. So yeah, good luck with it, uh, Gigi and Pablo and and Andre. Good luck in you know the home stretch of getting everything ready for the the conference. And uh, I'll see you boys soon. Thank Talk you. soon. Thanks for the time. See you boys. Bye -bye. Cheers. Thank you.